Og skidt der skidt lidt i bar Og skidt der det lidt du Og skidt skal ske Og skidt lidt du Og skidt skal ske lidt du Hello everybody, welcome back to the Dynasty 1.01 podcast. I am one of your hosts, Zach Glixman. You can find me at DFF underscore Z-Train. I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Will Brown. You can find him at Dynasty Walrus on Twitter. What's up, Will? Nice to see you. Uh, We are going to... uh, We've been putting out these pods now at uh, the frequency of about... 10 days or once every couple of weeks. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. this last pod, we got a little bit more of a, an interest from uh, some of the listeners, which we greatly appreciate. And so what we wanted to do is just try to push out content a little bit quicker and try to get, get some podcasts out uh, just about every week. Um, Will and I feel like we have enough content to really kind of push that out and, and uh, we enjoy doing this. So um, I'm hoping y'all enjoy listening as much as it seems like y'all are. So mm-hmm. um Look for these to be coming out weekly at this point moving forward. Um, and with that, I'll kick it over to you, Will. Kind of give us an idea of what we're going to be chatting about today. Sure, yeah. So um, Zach and I were texting a little bit earlier in the week, and you know, we just kind of were bouncing some ideas off each other, and we settled upon teams that intrigue us. Whatever that means, we don't really know. It's just kind of, you know, if you have question marks about a certain team, if you think that, you know, uh, certain guys on a team could – do a little bit more than you know the market than the consensus is really thinking they're they're going to do. Um, that was kind of the the jumping off point for us. So we've got four teams here for you today. Um, but first, we've got kind of a interesting little new segment. It's the 101 of the week. Basically, we pick a random thing and we ask each other, "Hey, if we were to draft on this random thing, what would be your 101 selection?" So. Zach, this week we are drafting breakfast cereals. You're on the clock at 101. Who are you taking? Yeah, so this is this is a, a very clear, obvious selection for me. Uh, just to just to put it out there, during this pandemic, I have been uh, I've reinvigorated uh, my love for children's breakfast cereals, mm-hmm. um, much much to my waistline's dismay, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, what I have found is that, um, and this this goes back to me as a kid. And it's very particular. It's Trix cereal, but oh. it's not. They switched from the fruit-shaped Trix to a just a ball-shaped Trix. Yeah, um, long ago. What, what terrible. Dec- it is lazy. Yeah. Terrible decision. They lost me as a customer. Mm-hmm. Come to find out about a, m- a month or two ago, I'm uh, I'm at the store and I just happen to walk down the cereal aisle and I see what is it? Trix. They've brought back the fruit shapes. Trix classic. Tricks classic, right? Brought it home, crushed it in like two days. Come okay. to find out, also doing some internet research, is that there is a big groundswell for the the fruit shape. I thought I was alone. Okay, I'm not. Oh, there is a big, big fan uh, fandom for okay. the tricks fruit shape. So, kind of a one point oh one sleeper at this point. Exactly. Yeah one one point oh one for me, it, uh, without question, is mm-hmm. fruit shape tricks. Um, mm. You know, if you want to try to figure out like a adult cereal or kid cereal, we can have that debate maybe on a different podcast. But if I'm just going right, anything that I want, just go to town. It's tricks, uh-huh. food shapes. Okay, yeah, I don't have a huge problem with that. Um, you know, you brought up the adult cereals versus the kid cereals, and now I am a big Wheaties guy, but I'm not going there at 101. You know, because I just don't think there's demand for it. That would be a huge reach in my book. You know, going with the Wheaties at 101. 
So instead, I'm gonna go Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I'll tell you why. I love a breakfast flavor in a breakfast cereal. You know what I mean? So I don't want you know Reese's Puffs or anything crazy. You're not gonna crush a pack of Reese's for breakfast unless you're a complete you know crazy person. Um, right. So yeah, I want some actual breakfast flavors in my breakfast cereal, and that's why I'm going Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It's just delicious. Yeah, Cinnamon Toast Crunch for me is probably 1.03. Mm. Um, I'd probably throw, you know, if we're just going to kind of continue this very quickly, I'd probably go Tricks Fruit Shapes 1. Okay. I'd go Crunch Berries 2. Um, okay, so I you're just, digging the fruity cereals then. I'm into the fruity cereals. I'd go Crunch Berries 2. All the different iterations of, of Captain Crunch uh, mm. I'm pretty good with, but just give me Crunch Berries 2, and then I'd probably go um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch 3. It's a classic. I, I can't fault yeah. you for that. A lot of demand for it, so that's why I had to take it at 101. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, get your guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that was the 101 of the week. Uh, we'll be back with a new one next week. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's jump into some most intriguing teams. Um, so Zach, why don't you tell us your first most intriguing team and kind of why you think they're intriguing? Yeah, definitely. So uh, my first intriguing team is going to be the New York Giants. Mm. Um, I, I just don't, the reason why I picked them is I don't know what to do with almost everybody on their team. Um, they they have Saquon Barkley. It, it's intriguing to me because yeah. I don't know, outside of Saquon Barkley, I don't know how comfy I am with inserting any of these guys into my starting lineup and just feeling okay. really good about it. Sure. Um, so I'll very quick, you know, we don't need to talk about Saquon. He's, he's a relatively known commodity and he's, he's yeah. a top five, you know, if not top two running back in, fantasy but you know there's yeah. some, that's some where stuff on drafted. you know that's where you have to take yeah. it yeah yeah no definitely and I, I would love to have me a Saquon share which I don't have but yeah you know some people were a little bit downplaying him uh I saw recently on Twitter for whatever reason um so I tried to dig in a little bit into his stats and and you know he was hurt last year obviously that that impacted his mm -hmm performance but he was on track to have roughly the same statistical year as he had his rookie season sure the the only downtick really had you extrapolated out his his sophomore year is that he was a little bit down on his uh receiving numbers okay which uh which actually does kind of intrigue me a little bit uh because you wonder if that has something to do with daniel jones versus eli manning Mm -hmm. And is that a sign of things to come? You know, is he going to be less involved in the, in the passing game with Daniel Jones? Okay. I don't know. Um, but I, again, I don't know that we need to get too crazy into Saquon here. He's a top five, top two running back. So no problem starting him in, uh, in any format, obviously. Sure. sure. Then we can move to Daniel Jones. So, mm. um, you know, he's, he is an intriguing guy. He, he has the running game, which is helpful. Um, mm -hmm. We talked at the last episode about increasing the amount of volume that you can get from your players, whether that's receiving running back a running quarterback, um, things of that nature. So yeah. Daniel Jones has that ability. He think he ran for over 250 yards uh, in a, in a shortened season. Obviously he stepped in for Eli Manning, um, but he, that, that was his rookie year and there, there's not a lot of tape on him and, he does have a high draft capital. He, mm -hmm. he played well, right? I mean, he had a very good, uh, he had a very good rookie season. My, what, what I was able to kind of look at was he had a similar statistical season to Baker Mayfield's rookie year. Okay. So it depends kind of where you're at. I mean, he, he has 
he has more running upside than Baker does for sure. But, you know, you, you, you're kind of guessing a little bit. You're hoping that the rookie year is kind of a trend of this is what he is. Um, but I, I'm a little bit concerned. He's got, he's got a fair amount of weapons, uh, which we'll get into in a minute. Okay. But so, so if, if Daniel Jones is your quarterback two in a super flex league, are you, are you looking for to maybe add a veteran presence? You know, let's say you have, you know, a Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson, somebody kind of in that, that mid uh, QB one range now. And, and Daniel Jones is your QB two. Are you looking to maybe, you know, rent a, um, you know, a Phillip Rivers uh, for this year and just kind of see how Daniel Jones uh, rolls or are you just kind of going with him and hoping for the best? Yeah, I think I am looking to, I mean, generally as a rule of thumb for me, I'm looking to add a quarterback uh, anytime I can. Mm-hmm. I, it's the most valuable position, but to your question specifically, yeah, I'm trying to add, if you can get Phillip Rivers, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm worried. I mean, listen, there, is there, is there one reality where Phillip Rivers outscores Daniel Jones this season? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely sure. a possibility. So um, yeah, no, I definitely would try to acquire Philip Rivers on the cheap, mm-hmm. especially a guy knowing he has, you know, at best probably two years left. Right. Um, yeah. I just worry a little bit about Daniel Jones. Um, mm-hmm. You know, his college tape isn't like, the greatest tape in the world. He had some fumbling issues last year. Um, I just worry about a, a bit of a regression to what he may wind up eventually being. And I don't know that I feel, I don't know that I'm like throwing a ticker tape parade for my team. If I have Daniel Jones as the, my number two quarterback, I'm a little shaky. Okay. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, you know, he's, he's being drafted. I think we talked about it last week that, you know, in, in dynasty Superflex startups, he's, you know, around the QB 12 range. You know, so he's in that upper tier of QB twos in terms of his draft capital. Um, so, yeah, you kind of have to kind of have to roll with him if you're, um, you know, if he's if you're doing a startup and, and he's your QB two, you might have to be getting somebody later in the draft to really kind of supplement him. Um, all right, well, let's move on to his his pass catchers. Uh, we talked about Evan Ingram a lot last week, um, so we don't really need to spend too much time on him. I think Zach and I both agree that. You know, we're just going to let somebody else take the risk with Evan Ingram uh, in terms of uh, the injury history. Um, so I guess for the, for the wideouts, how would you rank them in Dynasty and how would you rank them in Redraft? Right. So Dynasty for me, I mean, I'm, I'm higher on Slayton than most people are. Okay. Um, given his age, given his production, he's incredibly fast. He seemed to have a connection with Daniel Jones last year. I would rank him ahead of Golden Tate. I'd rank him ahead of Sterling Shepard. Sure. Um, Now that's in dynasty in redraft. I think they're a little bit closer together, but I don't, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I similarly to Evan Ingram, I very much enjoy the idea of Sterling Shepard, but his um, the volume of concussions that he's had Mm -hmm. is a very scary prospect for me. I guess in redraft, I would take a chance on him earlier than I would in dynasty. So I think you could probably put for me Sterling Shepard maybe slightly above Darius Slayton in redraft. Golden Tate for me is a little bit further back. Um, even in redraft. I just, even in redraft, I think he's a little bit. Be, I think he's a little bit past Slayton and Sterling Shepard for me. If nothing else, I just think the other two have more talent. They're younger. Um, I know that's kind of a dynasty comment yeah, to make, but um, 
yeah, I just, I'm much, again, I'm much higher on Slayton than most people are. I found out through trade options with people that, you know, I'm not willing to sell Slayton for what people are asking for. So I, I, we but, did a Slayton deal earlier the year. We right? did. Yeah, we so did. We, I got uh, TJ Hawkinson from you and right. uh, it was, it was for Darius Slayton. It was straight up. You know? Yep. A little bit of a tight end premium in that league, but uh, still happy with that deal. Yeah, I, you know, and I'm happy with it too. And I, I, yeah, again, it's all roster construction and stuff too. But I think if we were to, we may have put it on a Twitter poll actually, come to think of it, but I think it, it probably would be slanted maybe slightly in your favor at this point. Um, but I'm, I'm still happy with that deal. I think the upside yeah. for, for both players is, is pretty good. And I think that's a relatively fair trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so um, just to kind of circle back very quickly, I don't know that I... Uh, similarly to Daniel Jones, I don't know how comfortable I would be starting any of these guys week one, just here you go in your starting lineup, even in a flex position, it's a little scary. I get that somebody's got to score. Somebody's got to catch the ball, but I just, I think there's better options out there. I mean, I'm waiting for Slayton to fully blossom before I have confidence inserting him into my lineup. And so naturally why, to me, this team is the most intriguing. You have Saquon, which is like the crown jewel of the, of the team. Mm-hmm. And then you have a couple guys with really, a few guys with really, really high upsides. You have Daniel Jones, who could be a yearly top 10 quarterback. Mm-hmm. You have Evan Ingram, who could be a top five tight end. You have Darius Slayton, who could blossom into this easy wide receiver too. But I'm just not there yet with any of them. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually would not be surprised if Golden Tate leads that team or at least the leads the wideouts and fantasy points. I really like it, especially in PPR, if I had to put money on it, you know, depending on whether you get odds or not, I, I would think, you know, very strongly about putting some cash down on Golden Tate, leading that, that wideout group. It could happen. I mean, I just, I don't know. I just, I think I have some, some uh, fail Mary bias in my head that <laughs> I just hate Golden Tate so yeah, much. Yeah, that's fair. That's I fair. don't want him to succeed in anything. So sure. that may be clouding my, my decision-making, but I mean, would you feel comfortable starting Golden Tate in any format? Um, yeah. In PPR as a bi-week fill-in. Yeah, absolutely. As a, as a bi-week fill-in, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, that's not great. I don't, that's not, I'm not confident in that. I don't, I'm not going to parade him out into my starting lineup week one. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, depending on the matchup, um, yeah, I think he could definitely have some, some good value this year. I am not a shepherd guy. Um, just not for me. You know, he's been much better when he's in the slot and that's where Tate's going to play. So yeah, I think I'm just out on, on shepherd at this point. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's reasonable. The injury stuff is what scares me more than than like where he's lining up. I think he has a ton of talent. Um, yeah. That's not, not really the concern. I mean, he's only 27. Um, Golden Tate will be 32 in during the season, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, from dynasty purposes, like he is hitting that spot where you're not going to get anything in a trade for him. He's either just going to retire on your team or you can try to sell him for pennies, but you may as well hang on to him. Yeah, but if you if you are thin at wide receiver and you need somebody to fill in, like he's gonna be really cheap. So right. you know, if you need somebody, like that's a target for you. I, I could definitely see that happening. For sure. And I, I just I think it's a very like there's a decent possibility that no giants wide receiver finishes in the top twenty. Yes. I think that 
yeah, if I had to bet on it, I would, I would agree with that statement. Yeah, that's kind of freaky. And I, I just don't, I mean, I'm cool to keep Darius Slayton on the, the, the down part of my bench and just mm-hmm. throw him in if the, if the matchups work or if he starts kind of booming a little bit. But otherwise, I'm kind of staying away from this team outside of uh, Saquon just for security stuff. I can't, I can't risk that position and that that space on my starting lineup for one of these guys. Yeah, I'm not going to have many Giants on any of my rosters because I'm probably going to get priced out of Saquon and then everybody else is, you know, kind of like uninteresting to me except for Daniel Jones in a dynasty format, two quarterback league, um, and then Tate as like a late round guy who's just going to fill in here and there. Yeah, and I, I also, I think it's important for us to kind of touch on very briefly um, mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley is young. He's elite. He is a kind of a dual threat running back. He's obviously the workhorse. There's nobody there that concerns you behind him. They are going to feed him and feed Mm him tons of volume. And so if you, what's your philosophy, I guess, this is not something that we have prepped by the way. This is kind of an on the fly question. What, okay. What's your strategy. If you're a, like a middling team, let's say you're in a 12 team league and you're, Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe last year you finished seventh in the league and, you know, maybe you got a couple nice draft picks, but you're, you're probably not going to be in the championship. I mean, at this point, are you looking to capitalize on Saquon's value being as high as it's going to be and just try to trade him for a ton of stuff? Or are you keeping him as the cornerstone of your team? Um, I might do that after next season. Um, you know, cause like if you're trading him now, people can kind of point at the injuries from last year, uh, you know, as a way to, to kind of bring down his value. Um, and I don't think there's a pressing need to move on from a guy, uh, this early. Um, but yeah, I could see myself, uh, doing it next year. Um, you know, if I'm a little bit further down in the pecking order, I might do it right now and just, you know, move for some, some younger, you know, high upside wide receivers, something like that, something with a little bit more longevity. But yeah, no, I think that's fair. I just, I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, the philosophy, same would go with like a Christian McCaffrey. You know, I think right. we've talked before about like Derrick Henry at this point, if you're not a win this year kind of guy, you know, mm-hmm. then he's a, a very obvious candidate to, to trade uh, now. But I was curious about the Saquons of the world and kind of where you kind of work with that. Yeah, I think it may be one year too early for that on Saquon. That's all right. Say. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, should we move on to a new team? Let's move on to a new team. All right, cool. So um, the team that I really wanted to uh, to start this off with is the Rams. And the reason that I'm intrigued by them is their their switch from being almost exclusively an 11 personnel team to running a lot of 12 personnel. Right. Um, so if people are unfamiliar uh, with that, the, the Rams ran 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers, um, 89% of the time in 2018. And then they were running it uh, 81% of the time in 2019 uh, from weeks one through 10. And then basically overnight, they, they triple their usage of 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers from... 10% to 34%. Um, now, mostly they do that because their running game was not where they wanted it to be, and they really needed to get Todd Gurley going, um, and that that did work. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm mostly intrigued uh, as to whether or not they're going to continue that uh, in 2020, 
and if they are, what that would look like. So I kind of dug into it a little bit here. Um, and I guess we can, you know, since I already touched on Gurley, we can start there. Um, so Todd Gurley finished the season as running back 14, you know, pretty good, you know, down obviously from the past two seasons, but, um, you know, not necessarily a wasted piece. Um, you know, so I, I said that they, they made this switch from 11 to 12 personnel uh, in week 11. And up until that point, uh, Gurley was running back 24. So he missed one game in that, in that time frame. Plus he had his bye week. Um, but yeah, he just, he wasn't as good as you wanted him to be by far at that point. But then once they made that switch weeks 11 to 17, he's running back nine in that time frame. And this is all PPR points I should point out here. Um, so, you know, that's really interesting to me because Cam Akers is going as running back 16 in dynasty startups and he's going as running back 28 in redraft. So, you know, if, if he's as bad as Gurley was in the first part of the year and they're misusing him or not getting him going like they were with, with Gurley, you're at least getting running back 24. And if they really kind of, you know, stick with the 12 personnel and, you know, commit to him, you could have, you know, a back-end RB1 uh, at the price of running back 16 in Dynasty. Like, that's pretty, pretty, you know, interesting to me. And in redraft, if you're drafting the 28th running back and he returns running back nine value, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's within possibility. That's within the range of outcomes for Cam Akers. So kind of want to want to get your take on that and see what you think there. Um, yeah, do I mean, Cam Akers is obviously very talented. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily see him being top, you know, 15 running back his rookie year, but mm -hmm. I definitely think he's, I think his, uh, his upside in a dynasty uh, format is really, really high, especially kind of citing some of those uh, numbers you cited. If they continue yeah. down that path, I think the, the sky is the limit um, over the next few years for him. Yeah. So after they, they really started using 12 personnel a lot, you know, Gurley goes up from like 13 carries a game to 17 carries a game, um, basically goes from 58% of the carries to 78% of the carries. Um, so that's obviously a huge increase, um, and I'm not necessarily ready to say that Cam Akers is going to, you know, demand that kind of workload right away. Um, but I do think that he's going to be the one A in that system, and I think that he's just the better running back, and talent is really going to, you know, push usage there. So I think by the end of the season, we could see him getting, you know, 70, 78% or at least 75% of, uh, you know, the Rams uh, running back touches. And, and, you know, that could be a top 10 back. It could be. Are you, let's say, start of the season, knowing what we know now, mm -hmm. dynasty format, do you feel comfortable starting him? As of now, no, but, you know, there's a, there's a long way to go there. Um, you know, we've got, you know, the entire preseason, uh, you know, assuming that it actually happens, um, fingers crossed, of course. Um, I, I think that, you know, if he can get in there and, and show them what he's got, I think, you know, uh, they're going to turn to him. You know, the draft capital is there. And, um, yeah, I think he's going to win out. Um, I, I'm not necessarily – 
you know, happy to be starting him uh, early, early in the year, but I probably will be in some formats. Um, but yeah, I think by the end of the year, I think you're going to have a very, very solid player. Um, you know, so I think his value is only going to go up. So in, if, uh, if you want to get, you know, a share of, of Cam Akers in Dynasty, I think he should do it before the season starts. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so based on the, the numbers that you were talking about, would you – it sounds like you, you're probably going to be pretty high on Tyler Higby and maybe Gerald Everett possibly too, or, or where, where do you land on those? Yeah, so now this is, this is kind of crazy because if you extrapolate, you know, Higby's week 13 to week 17, um, you know, they make the change in week 11. You really see his, um, his snap count go up at that point, but he doesn't really become a fantasy factor till the week 13 game at Arizona where he puts up like you know, 27 points. Um, so if you extrapolate uh, Higby's week 13 to 17 over 16 game season, he would have scored, I got it right here, 343 points. Um, so I have basically every uh, season from every player in a data set um, and the uh, back since I think 2006, that's as far as my data goes back. And Gronk had the best season in 2011 for a tight end in that data set. He only scored 330 points. So Higby, 343 during that five game stretch, he was better than the best tight end, like basically of all time. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, I don't, yeah, I think that's, that's a, an interesting idea. I don't know that I, yeah, I think no, don't, don't get me wrong. That's not happening. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I think, um, so where would you feel, uh, do you think Higby is an easy tight end one? Do you think he's a back end tight end one? Is he a high end tight end two? Where do you see him for 2020? So right now in dynasty startups, he's going as tight end 12. And I think that's actually pretty good value. You know, yeah. um, he is 27, you know, so he doesn't, you know, have the, the same career ahead of him as, you know, a, uh, a TJ Hawkinson who we just talked about. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think tight end 12 is a pretty good price uh, for him right now. Um, so yeah, now I should say in week 11, Gerald Everett does get hurt. He comes back in week 12, plays a little bit, and then he's out for the rest of the year. Right. So starting week 13, when Higby really goes off, Everett's just gone. You know, um, so that really does freak you out a little bit. Um, now, Gerald Everett, before his injury, he was out targeting Tyler Higby. It was like 45 to 27 right. uh, in those 10 games before they really kind of um, you know, made the switch there due to the injury. And so that's why I think Gerald Everett is actually a really interesting buy low. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I mean, so one thing I was going to say is, do you think in the fan, like the fantasy community seems relatively high on Tyler Higby, um, certainly uh -huh. higher than Hig, uh, on Higby than they are on Everett. Oh yeah. Um, but is this, is this the case of, is this a case of the fantasy community pushing somebody that they want higher and the Rams have shown, you know, except for a four week period that they prefer Everett or, and, or, or separately, uh, does Higby's value go down knowing that they have two really good pass catching tight ends? It's, it's not like one is the blocker and one is the, you know, one's an H back, one's this, one's that. 
they're both legitimate pass catching threats, mm-hmm. um, a la Goddard and Ertz. Does one inhibit the value? Um, does it cap them at some point, or is it just you know whoever is the preferred target is just an awesome value in in, in LA? Yeah. So um, so Gerald Everett was tight end eleven pre injury, so he was you know, he was getting the targets there, but he wasn't necessarily the star that Higby showed that he could be. So there's, there's a couple of possibilities here. So in 2020, Higby could be the tight end one in that, uh, in that offense, and he would be a tight end one for you. I think that's probably most likely, um, but I'm not ruling out the possibility that you know, they just revert to uh, Everett being the more dominant tight end in the offense, which is why I think he's a really interesting buy low. You know, all these things that we're saying about Tyler Higby, they could just you know, turn over to Gerald Everett. And then you've got a tight end one for the price tag of he's going as tight end 33. In oh my God. How is that even possible? I don't know, man. I really don't. Um, like tight end 33 is basically free. Yeah. So, um, and he's not, it's not like he's a 35 year old dude either. I mean, he, he's 25. He's, he, yeah, he's younger than, yeah. younger than Higby. I mean, I, I he was the first draft pick of the McVay era too. So let me ask you this at their current prices. Who do you prefer? Um, I'm actually happy with both prices. I know that's kind of a dodge of the question, but um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's an interesting proposition. If you're in a startup, take them both. Yeah. I think it's fair value for both player and either one of them is going to emerge uh, or they're going to kind of split it a little bit, cap each other's uh, ceilings. But again, they were doing that pre the Everett injury and he was still tight end 11. You know, it's not great, but that's a startable right. piece. Right. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that one of these dudes will hit and one of them could find themselves in tight end one territory mm-hmm. for a large chunk of the year. Yeah. So let's say Higby gets hit by Everett coming back. Everett was tight end 11 pre-injury. Higby's going as tight end 12. He's returning right. equitable value there. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, I think um, this podcast has more than likely talked more about Tyler Higby than any other <laughs> podcast um, to state in the off season. So, uh, and, and Gerald Everett, maybe. So let's move on to the guy that's throwing them the ball. Let's talk about Jared Goff a little bit. What, what, what can you tell me about Jared Goff? I honestly don't think we have to talk about Jared Goff that much because Interesting. I, think, I think Jared Goff has kind of shown who he is, you know, he's, uh, in his second year, he's QB 12 in 2018. He's QB seven, uh, which is nice. But then he regresses uh, last year to QB 13. I think he's a high-end QB 2. And I don't think there's, there's much more that we really need to say about him. You know, I think, yeah. I think that's who he is. If you're still holding out hope that he's going to be a top five quarterback, I think you probably need to let go of that. Um, but he's a pretty good quarterback who's going to be fantasy relevant um, because the Rams are still going to be a good offense. You know, people want to talk about the Rams regressing last year. Like, oh, like I heard, um, I was listening to a pod this morning and somebody uh, referred to the Rams offense as a dumpster fire. Oh my. I was like, that's an interesting thing to say about the number 11 scoring offense last season. Yeah, I don't you know. know sure, I, they're not yeah. number one or number two like they were in 2017 and 2018 respectively, but number 11 with 
you know, what they had to deal with. I think that's, that's not bad. Yeah. I wouldn't say dumpster. I mean, listen, they, they, do they have some issues they need to clean up? Sure. But I, you know, maybe I, as an NFL team, right. A bit of a dumpster fire, fine. fantasy source of assets, then I think they're fine. So you feel good just to kind of put a bow on it then we'll, we'll move on to the, the pass catchers, but mm-hmm. you, you would feel good with, with, with starting a super flex dynasty season with Jared Goff locked in as your number two option. Yes. Your super flex. Yes. No question. Okay. All yeah, right. Absolutely. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh, the receivers mm-hmm. for the Rams and uh, let's chat about them real quick. Okay. So I've got some splits for you here. Uh, weeks one through 10, uh, Cooper Cup, wide receiver six. Robert Woods, wide receiver 25. They make that change in week 11, uh, which is a game that Robert Woods actually misses. And then from weeks 12 through 17, Robert Woods, wide receiver five, Cooper Cup, wide receiver 11. And that wide receiver 11 number is bolstered a ton by him scoring five touchdowns from weeks 13 through 17, tied for the league lead there. Um, I've got another split for you on their target share. Weeks one through 10, Cup leads Woods 26% to 20%. After they make the switch to increasing the usage of Mm -hmm. 12 personnel, Robert Woods gets 28% of the targets. Cup is down at 17%. Okay. Yeah. So basically the, the question that I'm asking myself about this team in 2020, why I think they're intriguing is whether or not they're going to keep that split between, you know, the 11 personnel and the 12 personnel. And I really think they are because the players that they have kind of dictate that as a need. Brandon Cooks is gone. So in order for them to run three wide receiver sets, you have to believe in Josh Reynolds or you have to believe in Van Jefferson. So I don't know if you do that, or you believe that they have really good tight ends, which we've talked enough, like you said, we've talked enough about their tight ends. So we could talk more about tight ends <laughs> if you want, or Daryl Everett. Could. We could maybe tag his mom in the in the mm-hmm. Twitter feed and see if they want to join in. Yeah. So let's not do that. <laughs> First okay. of all, let's Fair not enough. slide into the DMs of NFL players' mothers. Again? Again. <laughs> <laughs> all right moving not on i'm gonna touch so, that one not gonna yeah, touch fair that enough one. all right well uh so let me say this about cooper cup yeah. uh the the some of the stats you were you were mentioning um i don't have it in front of me but mm-hmm. what i do remember is that last year when he was commanding the high target share and when he was you know uh, getting all these yards and touchdowns and stuff he kind of yeah. in some ways came out of nowhere i don't think anybody expected him to be quite as good as he was mm-hmm. but he was like a top five receiver for a large chunk of the year he was wide receiver two through week eight yeah i mean that's uh, there is a clear connection with mm-hmm. jared goff and i get the idea of 12 personnel versus 11 personnel but mm-hmm. i think I trust talent, and I, I kind of like Cooper Cup more than uh, Robert Woods. But but well, what Mark I would with you on that one. So he, yeah. he's going as wide receiver eighteen in dynasty startups. He's going as wide receiver fourteen in redraft. Woods is back at twenty eight in dynasty and twenty one in redraft. Um, so with those price tags, do you still want Cooper Cup over Robert Woods? Probably, but I think I, I don't know what I what I walk away with from this Rams team is that they're top two wide receivers are very good and I would yes. feel comfortable starting either of them uh, 
probably as like my wide receiver two ish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel very good about their tight ends. I feel fine about Jared Goff and mm-hmm. I'm excited about the upside of their running back. And that's kind of, that's the, the moral of the, the Rams is that they're, there's a lot of guys that you could see being, being uh, their position one, right? Like you can see a wide receiver one, you can see a tight end one, you can see a running back one and a quarterback one across the board. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I think that's fair. Um, Yeah. I think if they, if they stick with that personnel split, like I've talked about, um, I am definitely interested in, you know, getting a piece of this offense. Um, especially because there's that perception out there that the Rams are just kind of like in a really bad spot, you know, so pretty much anybody on their team, you know, could, you know, return value if, if somebody just wants to get out of what they perceive as a bad situation. Yeah. I think, I think you can probably, like there was a, there was a big time window last year where you could have snagged Robert Woods for peanuts and, yeah. and then towards the end of the year, like you mentioned, he really came on super strong for like the playoffs Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the, the last question that I have is, are you, uh, you know, to what extent does the absolutely atrocious offensive line of the Rams play into a concern this year? Is it a concern longer term? I mean, are you, may, I, I know you spoke about, uh, cam Akers, but are you, are you mm-hmm. fading anybody a little bit more than you would otherwise like for a middle of the road offensive line team? Because this last year, Pro Football Focus had them ranked after the season was over as the 31st out of 32 offensive lines. Well, where does that – does that give you any pause, or how does that make you feel? It doesn't really give me any pause because because of all the stats that I just rattled off to you. Those yeah. are last year's stats. They did right. that with that terrible line then. So, you know, even if they're marginally better this year, then, you know, I think that uh, these numbers can hold and potentially improve. All right. Fair enough. Cool. Let's, uh, why don't we uh, take a little breather here and we will catch you on the other side. Cool. Yep. All right. We are back. Um, Zach, we're going to start by talking about the Cleveland Browns. and I want to kick this off by asking you a question. Who would you rather have in Dynasty, Baker Mayfield or Jared Goff, who we just talked about earlier? All right. So for me, it's not a no-brainer necessarily, but for me, I would, I would most definitely prefer Baker Mayfield. And let me tell you why I'd prefer Baker Mayfield. Please do. I will. Um, so for me, if you kind of look back at Baker Mayfield's history over the last like five years, which goes from his sophomore year in college at Oklahoma through this last year. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, so obviously he was great at Oklahoma, right? He won the Heisman. He won the most outstanding quarterback. Um, he won the AP player of the year, his senior year. All in all at Oklahoma, he had 119 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, his completion percentage went from 68.1 to 70.9 to 70.5. Um, so he's a very accurate quarterback, um, kind of prolific, uh, in college. And then he came into the pros and like I was saying earlier, very similarly to Daniel Jones, he sat behind a veteran for a few games, 
uh, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, and uh, Tyrod had a really poor uh, start to the year. I think he was only in four games, had a 50% completion percentage, and then got injured, and they turned the keys over to Baker. I don't need to get into a, a you know the, the the rest of the history of Baker Mayfield, but what I will say is, I think that is the water finding its level. The I think that he is very very good. I don't think mm-hmm. he's a top five quarterback in the mm-hmm. NFL, but I think that he is a a back end QB one. I think he's a top ten quarterback. And then you look at, uh, and then I'll kick it back to you. You look mm-hmm. at kind of what they've done this off season. They've they've fortified the offensive line. They brought in Conklin uh, as one tackle. They oh. they drafted Jedrick Wills as another tackle. Uh, you hear that uh, Odell Beckham was playing with a core muscle injury for all 16 games. Yeah. Um, David and Joku was hurt for the majority. They had Ricky Seals Jones was like their tight end. And now they have Austin Hooper and they have Njoku and they drafted Harrison Bryant. Um, they had Kareem Hunt only for half of the year. I, I think the amount of weapons, the offensive line improvements, and just my general belief that Baker Mayfield is a very good quarterback and a very accurate quarterback leads me to think that his future is very bright in the NFL. And I think like you said in the last segment, we know what Jared Goff is. He's a, a high-end QB2. He's going to be you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 year over year. And I think Baker has the upside to be a top 10 quarterback. Okay, so you're wrong, and here's what. Good deal. Okay, cool. Go ahead. So um, you touched on it a few times that Baker Mayfield is an accurate quarterback. Mm -hmm. He may end up being an accurate quarterback. He may have had accurate seasons in the past, but last year he was not accurate at all. Correct. He had a a completion percentage of 59.4%. Of the passers with 300 or more attempts, only Josh Allen was worse at 58.8%. You mean top 10 quarterback, Josh Allen? Is top that, six Josh Allen? Josh Allen. Okay, it doesn't make it. But, but with Allen, you get 510 rushing yards, nine rushing touchdowns. Right, right. You don't get that with Baker, okay? Yeah, no, listen, let me, let me just interject very quickly, and then I'll kick it back to you. Please. I, there is no argument here that Baker Mayfield was, was basically unstartable uh, for the majority of the year last year. I just think that the, again, water finds its level, there's improvements, there was injuries, and I think he – has a full arsenal, and I, I believe in Baker, but please continue. Okay. So that 59.4 completion percentage, that's the exact same completion percentage as Marcus Mariota, who lost his job. So if he continues that, he's not going to be the quarterback for the Browns much longer. You mean a Heisman Trophy winner Marcus Mariota? Is that who you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantasy dud Marcus Mariota? I'm, I'm really trying here. <laughs> yes, you really are. Um, Look, the, the market agrees with you. You know, Baker's the 10th the quarterback in, in Superflex uh, Dynasty startups. Goff is at QB14. But, I mean, okay, so Baker's finished QB16, QB20 the last two years. Goff, after only starting seven games his rookie year, throw that out, he was QB12, QB7, QB13. Baker has not even... Uh, cracked 300 fantasy points for a quarterback you know that is not good and then you get the fact that baker mayfield is exactly six months older than jared goff did you know that no i didn't know that that's surprising i was just looking that up too yeah unfortunately yeah all right look it up guys that's fair look it up i'll give you that you know that's that's a good that's a good point that's a good it doesn't change 
what I think, but it's, it's an interesting tidbit. Okay. So let's say, let, let me play devil's advocate a little bit here for Baker Mayfield, because that, this is what people are doing. They, they've said, okay, you know, Stefanski's in there, you know, he had, he ran a very good offense uh, last year. You know, what happens if, if Baker does improve? All right. So uh, Baker was quarterback 19 last year. Uh, you know who was quarterback 18? Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. So if Baker is exactly what Kirk Cousins was in Stefanski's offense, he moves up one quarterback spot. Like that's, that's not really interesting. Uh, that's, I think that's like, there needs to be, uh, again, like so much more context to that. Like such a dysfunctional Vikings team last year. Thielen was hurt for the majority of the year. Stefan Diggs was having a tantrum in the corner for a lot of the year. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I think that, I mean, I'll put a little side bet on, on this with you. I will take Baker Mayfield to finish with more fantasy points than Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff this year. Yeah, I would take that. So you would take straight up if somebody offered you, Hey, I have Jared Goff, you have Baker Mayfield. Let's do a little switcheroo. You would take that. If I needed to, but you don't need to do that. That would be, you know, inefficient in this market because mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield is, is going off the board earlier. Um, and, and he was going QB3 this time last year in Superflex startups. So, you know, if, if you can get somebody who's going to give you top 10 quarterback value for Baker Mayfield, then I would take that. And, and if and if I'm giving you what the market sees as QB14 in Jared Goff, which I think is fair, uh, for QB10 uh, value in Baker Mayfield, then uh, I, don't, I don't think that uh, Baker Mayfield is QB10. So if you're, if you're trading me what you perceive as QB10 for QB14, um, I'm going to want more. You know? So if I can get Goff plus for Baker, I would do that. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, just so everybody, this is the bet that I'm putting out there. If Baker does wind up with more fantasy points than Cousins and Goff this year, mm-hmm. uh, you will have to uh, write and sing a song on this podcast uh, that will be a ballad to why I am a better fantasy football player than you are. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's a really interesting way to do a bet is to agree on the, <laughs> the parameters and then mm-hmm. just insert whatever punishment you want in there. Right. Well, you'll have a lot of time. You can start writing now. Oh, okay. Right. And, and you can have like a, like a uh, Bohemian Rhapsody length song about my fantasy football proficiency um sure okay great good deal all right excellent whatever i'll agree deal sounds good all right long live baker (laughs) i'm a browns fan this year all right continue with the uh, browns talk all right so um let's talk about the running backs here um you know nick chubb running back eight on the season running back six before hunt returns um but his pre-hunt average 18.9 uh ppr points and then uh, once Kareem Hunt gets in there, that drops all the way to 13. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm really intrigued by whether or not that, that continues. Um, you know, uh, so basically Kareem Hunt plays eight games last year. How many of those games that Hunt and Chubb play together, how many do you think that Chubb actually outscored Hunt? Two. It's two. I know. Yeah. You want to know he, why I know? He and what, how? Because I'm a fantasy football genius. Of course. All right, go ahead. Sorry. So Chubb, Chubb outscores um, 
hunt overall, but it's only by two points. So like, and they're, they're running back 15 and they're running back 17 uh, in that time frame. So I guess like the big question, what really intrigues me is what that split looks like going forward. Um, Cause you want to, you want to look back at what the Vikings did with Stefanski and, you know, it, it really kind of points you in the direction of Chubb, but they didn't have a cream hunt player and really like personnel should, should dictate um, the packages that you run with um, the, the touches that are distributed. So I guess I'm going to, I'm going to ask you kind of what, what split do you see? Do you see that type of, of you know, running back 17, running back 15 split uh, in 2020? Or do you think kind of, you know, uh, Chubb kind of rises a little bit? Because you're a Chubb owner and a Hunt owner, actually. Yeah, I have the luxury of owning both in the, in the uh, league that you and I are uh, uh, own separate teams in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm still pretty high on chubb uh certainly more from a dynasty uh lens than i am uh i think redraft uh he's maybe you know uh i don't know maybe rb seven ish for me um dynasty i'd still probably put him top where he's going yeah yeah, maybe five uh in dynasty i think his future looks bright i think uh, Mm -hmm. the consensus is that kareem hunt won't be back after this year um whether they bring in another kareem hunt type uh is to be determined but this year, I think, you know, I see a, a relatively similar split. I think they, they like Kareem Hunt. Obviously, he's very talented. I think they, they continue using him as that receiving back. I don't think they'll be RB15 and RB17. I mean, I think, I, I think that's probably where Kareem Hunt's ceiling is, mm-hmm. to be honest. I don't, I don't see Kareem Hunt breaking into like an RB1, uh, playing a complementary role, but yeah. I could see it like RB fifteen ish and RB seven ish. Okay, that seems right to me. I think this also to me underscores. They have to be a pretty efficient offense to return that type of value. Well, they have two running backs who you know, granted, were three years removed from it or whatever it's been. But Kareem Hunt was a running yeah. back one easily, and Nick Chubb has been a running back one. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super worried about Nick Chubb. I mean, when when Hunt came back, his touches only fell by like three per game. You know, it's not a huge deal. Obviously, you want more, but it's not crazy. Um, you know, and Minnesota's going to run a lot of a lot of uh, sets with a fullback. You know, so I think Cleveland? that might kind of. I'm sorry. Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland. Yes, yeah, Minnesota yeah. last year they ran a lot with right. the, the fullback, so they're going to Stefanski's going to bring that over to Cleveland. Um, yeah, so I think that might hurt the uh the overall snaps for cream hunt um yeah i think it it, i think it might be tough for nick chubb to return running back seven value this year but i agree that that's a good price for him overall in dynasty yeah i'm seeing a lot of people uh fading nick chubb in dynasty formats because of kareem hunt and to Mm. that i say like Buy. Absolutely buy, 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 the, buy. from yes. those people because, you know, you're still going to get a likely running back one this year, maybe not running back five uh, overall, but you're probably going to get, you know, back end at, at worst, probably a back end mm-hmm. running back one out of Chubb. And then, and then you envision next year, probably the sky's the limit. Um, what I will say is that this to me underscores the, the notion of volume and the notion of the receiving back being the asset that you you kind of want more uh in dynasty Mm. especially obviously ppr 
you know, to me, it's the running backs like Kareem Hunt. It's the running backs like Austin Eckler uh, that I am coveting in these formats because of the versatility. And then you have the people like, you know, we've talked about this before, but Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb, uh, guys that are really just kind of a pound the rock running back that get either taken out on third downs or taken out when they're losing by a lot. And it just kind of caps their value a little bit. And, and this, this, the, the statistics you mentioned, I think, really underscore that even doing um, partial work, he was still able to be a mid-level running back too, uh, Kareem Hunt was. And I think that's very valuable information to have. Yeah, so we talked about how Hunt had more points than Chubb in uh... – in, in all but two weeks in that, in that eight game stretch that he played. Um, but Nick Chubb still out snapped Kareem Hunt four times and actually they were tied one week. So that's, he's playing a lot more. So that really underscores the point that you want. Like even if the guy isn't playing as much, the pass catching running back, you know, will be more valuable in a vacuum. Yeah. And they're going to scheme ways to get him, receptions and get mm-hmm. him involved and, and run you know they played a lot of times with both of them on the field together yeah. uh, and one blocking for the other so I think that again we've talked about Kareem Hunt the future is bright but he's also I forgot now exactly how old he's going to be at the start of next year I think it was like 26 or 27 but yeah. if somebody wants to pay up now for what they think Kareem Hunt's going to be in the future like please do it I don't see him as like a bell cow running back anymore He's going to have value wherever he goes. Obviously, he could be a running back, too, for the rest of his career. I just don't see him as a three-down, take-over-the-game guy that's going to be a top-tier running back anymore. Sure. Yeah, I think that's that's all fair. Okay. Um, do you want to move on to OBJ and Landry? Uh, yep. Let's do it. Okay, cool. So there's two questions here. The first one is, is it too lazy or simple to just say they're the new Diggs and Thielen? Because that's what it feels like. Um, I think that's probably right. Yeah. There was really no third option in Minnesota that was of any value. And there's probably no third option in Cleveland that, you know, at least in the wide receiver discussion, that's of any value. And I think they both have this, you know, similar levels of talent. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. And then the second question is how good do you think the Browns offense is going to be? Do you think they have the potential to be, you know, top 10 scoring offense, or are we looking at another tough year for them? Yeah, I think to the points I made earlier, I'm envisioning a, a big bounce back for the Browns this year. I think, you know, obviously they're going to be healthy after the offseason, bringing in the offensive line, a full season of Hunt, Hooper, blah, 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 blah. I think, um, yeah, I don't know, top 10, there's a lot of really good teams out there, but I think definitely in the top half of the of the NFL, I would say. Okay, so... So basically you're, you're betting on the Browns being closer to the 2019 version of the Vikings than the 2018 version of the Vikings. Okay. The sure. 2019 Vikings, they go 10 and six, you know, they're uh, the eighth scoring offense. They're sixth in rush, rushing yards a game. Uh, in 2018 though, they're the 19th scoring offense and only Pittsburgh and Arizona are worse at running the ball. They finished the year eight, seven, and one. Yeah, I don't see that. I think the 10 and 6 is probably more accurate. Okay, so the reason that I ask you those questions is that in 2019, which is kind of more the mold that you envision, Thielen averaged 11.4 PPR points in 10 games. So he was 
very far down the rankings overall there. Um, Diggs averages only 14.1 points in 15 games, finishes as wide receiver 24. So if that's what, what we're envisioning, kind of this very run-heavy offense, um, very rush-heavy, um, and, and Baker's not really throwing the ball, then, uh, you know, OBJ and Landry, they're really not going to return the value that you're looking for. Um, I should also note that in 2019, Cousins was 24th in attempts. So hmm. that, that if, if that's what Kevin Stefanski thinks is successful, and it was, I mean, they won 10 games last year, then he's going to try to replicate that. And I think that is bad news for the Browns pass catchers. That's all I'm saying. So when, when they were not a really good team in 2018, they finished 8-7-1. and one. Uh, Cousins was fourth in attempts. Uh, Thielen averaged 19 points a game. He was wide receiver seven. Diggs averaged 17.9 points a game. He was wide receiver 10. So if they if they struggle, then these wide receivers could be really, really good. Both of them could be excellent. Um, but if, if they're a good team the way that Stefanski mm-hmm. might want them to be, that spells trouble for these pass catchers. Yeah, yeah. Um... I suppose that's true. If we're just kind of putting the, if we're just kind of relying on this being Kevin Stefanski and we're doing like a one-to-one kind of deal, I, I just, I don't know. I think there were some injuries, obviously we talked about that played into last year's. Uh, How much do you, you believe know, the, the OBJ stuff with the, the core injury? I mean, he had surgery. In yeah. January, I think. But how I much mean, do you think that really affected his play? I guess that was the oh, question. Yeah. No, I think it. I, I think it's fair to assume that 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 had a, a relatively good impact on his play. I mean, he still had over a thousand yards. Sure. Right. Yeah. So he was still a very serviceable receiver. Everybody was very down on him um, last year. The other thing I'll mention too, just very quickly, is that we we forget that the Browns had Freddie Kitchens as their <laughs> coach. I mean, come on. Like, yeah. How long? Well, how have I we mean, been talking about the Browns for so long? We haven't said that name. I mean, my God, like it, the fact that like Eric Bieniemy doesn't get, get a call. I mean, a, you know, anybody, um, you know, they have Freddie Kitchens, who's like an SNL character as their head coach is astounding, but, but that's beside the point. I mean, I think, um, I think Odell is going to be healthy and when he is healthy, he is a top 10 receiver and yeah. Landry is uh, not like a sexy pick in mm-hmm. fantasy football, but, shows up every single year um i i just don't i don't know who else gets the receiving yards right i mean austin Mm -hmm. hooper will get uh some and kareem hunt will get some but yeah who's their three rashad higgins i mean it's they're gonna get fed and i think they'll i think they'll be good i don't know that both of them are going to be wide receiver ones but i envision a, a definite bounce back for odell um and the offense as a whole yeah, I don't see their target share suffering that much, but it's just the the amount of overall targets. You know, if they're trying to keep that down, run a lot of play action, you know, just kind of kind of protect Baker, let him develop by kind of limiting what he's doing and simplifying what he's doing. Um, I think that just the volume might not be there, even if they still retain you know decent target shares, both of them. I think that's I think that's an okay take um but i am if somebody is selling beckham i'm mm-hmm. buying beckham yeah. if somebody is selling landry i'm buying landry 
And yeah. I would imagine that if somebody is selling the next guy we're going to talk about in Austin Hooper, I'm probably buying him because his value right now is a bit lower than probably it should be. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about Hooper on, on the uh, episode three. So um, if you want to hear more about that, go back and then take a listen there. Um, but yeah, the, the synopsis of that point is that, you know, since he moved to the Browns, people are just basically writing him off and he was, you know, the tight end one, I think it was through week eight of last year by a long shot. So right. the talent's there, the price tag has dropped significantly. So if somebody is selling, go buy for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any other Browns points that you care to make uh, here? Not really. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think we touched on everything. So why don't we move on to your last team? Okay. Uh, so my last team uh, is going to be Will's Detroit Lions. What? Really? Yeah. So yeah, really, I think here's, here's my take on the Lions. Uh, just kind of like the overall thought on the Lions is that, Oh God, I'm bracing myself. Is that they're terrible. <laughs> uh, is, is that the, I think that every single player on the Lions uh, offense is underrated with the exception of Kenny Galladay. Okay. And, and that's where I've landed. Uh, that's where I've landed on them. I think, you're talking Matt, underrated as fantasy assets, correct? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, Hawkinson is. I think I'm looking at redraft here, but his mm-hmm. ADP is as the 14th tight end. Okay. Um, I don't have the dynasty number in front of me, and maybe that's something you can uh, check out, Will, while I'm going on my little monologue here. But his ADP is 14. I mean, I. I think Hawkinson has a super bright future. Um, you know, his draft capital is massive. He was injured for a fair amount of last year. He showed what he could do. I think it was in week one against the Cardinals. Granted, the Cardinals have a horrendous defense against tight ends last year, but he lit him up. Um, then you look at Marvin Jones, right? And I think for where he's being drafted, he's a league winner. Um, and this is like, wow. Well, okay. Well, it's, it's one of the more po- like popular opinions, I think, amongst dynasty like writers and and the dynasty community is that generally speaking marvin jones produces year over year and Mm -hmm. you can get him for nothing because people perceive him as older or number Mm -hmm. two he's been a number two guy everywhere right like he's never been yeah like the guy and that's okay he flies under the radar you can get him as like you know probably in the 40s uh like a tight end 40 probably in adp um wide receiver 40 I'm sorry. Yeah. Wide receiver 40 and he'll produce, uh, you know, decent. He'll definitely outproduce that. And that's, yeah, what, I agree. That's, yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, mm-hmm. when I'm drafting guys is where are these little gems that you can find that, that people for no real, like tangible and like fact based reason are low on mm-hmm. and just look at the stats and look at the data and, and crunch the numbers and see that he'll produce yeah. And the, the last one that I want to talk about very briefly is uh, DeAndre Swift, right? So sure. Sw- Swift is a guy that for a lot of people was their running back one pre-draft. Definitely. Um, he's a beast. He's, his talent is, is not in question. Um, had he gone to almost any of the other landing spots for the top running backs, he would have been the 1.01. Okay, yeah. So let's let's talk through that. Um, if he goes where CH goes to the Chiefs, Easy. obvious one one. Yeah. If he goes to the Colts, obvious one one. Easy. If he goes to the Ravens, 
So, well, let me say this. 101, I still probably go Burrow, but for right, like running right, back, yeah, for, for, for running, running backs, running yeah. Back. Yeah. If he goes to the Ravens, I think he's roughly the same as Dobbins is. I don't. I think that's kind of a murky landing spot. I think I, I am hugely high on Dobbins um, for for dynasty purposes. This year, I'm lower on Dobbins because of Ingram and because of Justice Hill. But I think sure. Dobbins eventually takes over that backfield and becomes very, very good. Okay. So what if DeAndre Swift takes Cam Akers' spot in LA? <sighs> I like DeAndre Swift more than Akers. I don't know that I'd put him <laughs> at like the number one, you know, if everything else is the same mm-hmm. um, and just those two are flipped. I don't, yeah, I don't think I'd put him as the number one, but, um, but I feel more comfortable with Swift than I do Akers generally, yeah. um, including where they're, where their landing spots wound up being now. And I feel more comfortable okay. in his talent than Akers as well. Okay. So sell me DeAndre Swift over Cam Akers as they are right now with their actual landing spots. Um, well, for one, uh, offensive line. For two, um, I am not high at all on Carryon Johnson, uh, n- nor are uh, you, uh, no. I-, I believe. Um, I-, I like him as a player. He just can't stay healthy. That's so l- let me ask you this. Which offensive yeah. line do you prefer, the Lions or the Rams? Um, I mean, I guess the Lions, but it's not by a lot. Okay. Let me ask you this. Which handcuff is better? Daryl Henderson or Carryon Johnson? Um, probably Carryon. Mm. You think so? so? You, would, you would you would trade Henderson for Carryon? Probably, yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Just because Carryon's done it before, and there's you know, um, like I I don't know how much Henderson is actually gonna gonna produce. I mean, they they really didn't use him last year. Yeah, and I think you're you're focused in on that twelve personnel thing, and I think that's the right the right way to look through it. But for me, again, is it fair to say that you had Swift ranked ahead of Acres pre-draft on talent alone? Oh yeah, right. And so, in my opinion, if that's what I had as well, and I think the landing spot is better. Um, you could argue, I guess they're like roughly the same, but if they're the same, then I'm going to go towards talent. Um, so I, I think that's fair. I just, as a Lions fan, which is a tortured thing to be, it is. Um, but as a Lions fan, I look back at our history of rushing since I've been a, a really serious fan, basically when, after they went, you know, 0 and 16, uh, you know, and, and Stafford was drafted. Um, you know, that's when I kind of really got serious about it. I really started paying attention to, um, you know, their scouting and all that, all of those other things. Um, and before I was just kind of like casual fan. Um, but ever since, you know, then we haven't really had a, a good running attack. We've talked about it every single year. We've got to, uh, we've got to run the ball. We've got to establish the run. And it's just never worked. So, um, so I, I agree I with that. That just scares me. I agree with that. But there was, I think, um, from like some of the, the historical data that I was looking at, it looks like, uh, so, I mean, basically once you move past, if you just erased Barry Sanders and Billy Sims from the record books, the Lions running game is just a disgusting. There's nothing there. It's a terrible, 
I mean, it really should make you embarrassed as a fan. Um, hey, come on well, now. I'm just saying. Uh, so come on. It's like Kevin Jones and like Mikel Lashore as, as like the... the <laughs> I remember the being excited about Mikel Lashore. <laughs> of course. Yeah, no, as you should be. But so some of the stuff I found, right, is that the Lions have nine seasons with a running back getting 300 plus carries ever. And those nine seasons were Barry Sanders and Billy uh-huh. Sims. Okay. No other running back in the history of the Lions has had 300 carries. So, like, does that scare you? Sure. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I just – at some point, they have to kind of see the writing on the wall. They have to see that, like, this isn't working, you would think. Um, I would love you to be right. <laughs> I think that recently they've been giving their running backs, like, 16-ish touches per game. That's kind of what it's broken down to, you know, a couple outliers and stuff. But even if Swift can get 16-ish touches a game, his talent, I think, can, can make them give him more touches. You look at, uh, you look at who they've had to – like, who have they tried to give the ball to? Like, the, again, the best Lions running back outside of Barry Sanders since then is, like, like literally who it's like Mikel Lashore, Kevin Jones, like Javid best for one season. Yeah. Javid best is might be my answer just based on yeah. that. So there's nobody really historically since then that they have had this high of a draft capital with this much talent that would force their hand to feed their running back. And so that's what I look to. And that's what I think, um, you know, Hawkinson just for to circle back his tight end 12 ADP in dynasty that's probably fine. Like, okay, maybe he's not tremendously underrated, but he could be, uh, he could, he could outproduce that for sure. Uh, Deandre Swift running back 15, you know, there's not a ton of running backs out there. A young guy with that much talent. I would be happy to take him at running back 15. Um, carry on Johnson. I just don't really, he's running back 34. I have no use for him. I don't really want him. I'm okay. If somebody wants to take him at running back 34, be my guest. Um, Kenny Galladay, wide receiver 13. Give me wide receiver. Give me Kenny Galladay at wide receiver 13. I'm happy to take him there. I think that may be slightly, very slightly uh, undervaluing Kenny Galladay. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think uh, Bob Quinn peaked as a GM as soon as he took Kenny Galladay. Right. And downhills. And that was there. And then the shocker of all shockers is that, Marvin Jones, wide receiver 61. Yeah. Are you kidding? That's, yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know what else we can do as a fantasy community to toot the Marvin Jones horn, mm-hmm. but that, that's why I say he's a league winner. I mean, he'll produce as a wide receiver, you know, three, at wide receiver thir- in the 30 range, and you can get him at wide receiver 61. Are you kidding me? Give yeah. me that all day long. And so – I think, again, like that's why, to me, the Lions are relatively underrated. As a Packers fan, it pains me to say that, that they could be good this year. But I don't think I, – you know, I would be okay with all of these guys where they're being drafted at, and I feel real good about a good amount of them. Yeah, okay. So you, you started off by talking about the Lions, um, saying that pretty much everyone on the team is underrated. I think one guy who, you know – is still at this point underrated, but could be hyped up a crazy amount because it seems like everybody's talking about him as a buy low is Matthew Stafford. 
Yeah. Um, you know, are you are you still thinking that he's undervalued, or do you think it's um, maybe the love is getting a little out of hand here? What's your take on Steph? Yeah, I mean, more recently, right? This offseason, you've heard people kind of propping him up a little bit in the in the Twitterverse and in the in the dynasty community, right? And yeah, I mean, to me, Stafford is a, an easy uh, quarterback too that I feel really good about it. Um, I would have no problem. I don't know. I think I would have a little bit of an issue plugging him in as like my number one guy. Yeah. But you, you look at what he did before he got injured last year. And I think mm-hmm. maybe in episode one, we talked a little bit about Stafford, but I mean, the dudes can cons- he was 19 touchdowns to five interceptions last year before he got injured. He had almost matched his touchdowns from the year prior. Yeah. He was on pace to lead the league in touchdowns. Yeah. He was a top five quarterback before mm-hmm. he got injured. Um, and I think that speaks to, the weapons he has around him um, and how good they are. Yeah. If he can stay Um, healthy, which like people have, have, you know, tried to hit him with the injury prone label, which is, I I don't buy that at all. Um, So if he's, if he's healthy, I think he's going to be a good play. Um, Yeah. So in terms of like how hot he started the year, it's, it's really impressive. His yards per attempt was, was pretty high, pretty high above his, his career average. So you know, don't expect that um, you can just, you know, extrapolate what he was doing uh, at the beginning and, and expect that over a full season. But I think he's still going to return value on where he's going right now, which is QB 16 in Dynasty. So, um, right. yeah, I think uh, maybe let the uh, the chatter die down a little bit because sure. people are really talking about him. Uh, sure. But, yeah, let that take a little bit of a lull and then go get him. Yeah, and Matthew Stafford's 32. I mean, yeah. he's not Aaron Rodgers at like 30, 37, 38. I mean, he's 32 years old. He, The new norm, right, is that quarterbacks want to play until they're 40, and you never know. He could be, mm-hmm. you know, you see Andrew Luck, and you see guys retire early, but could he be a guy that plays another seven years at a relatively high level? Like, that's a great asset to bring in uh, mm-hmm. in Dynasty, and and I'm, yeah, I'm for it. He's got great weapons. Yeah. He's still young. He's on a on a kind of like a what could be a high flying offense. Give me Matt Stafford yeah. all day. I think he will play, you know, a decent amount longer, you know, because he's he's made all the money in the world. He came in right before uh, the rookie wage scale, um, so he is set for life. And there's been no chatter about him potentially hanging it up at 32. And you know, that's kind of when people may start kind of sending out those signals. I, I just think he loves playing the game, so I think you're probably going to get five more seasons out of him, something like that. Yeah, I'm for it. I think the, you know, to put a bow on it, you can get a lot of the Lions for cheaper than they should be going. And it's worth looking at in your league. I mean, float an offer for Stafford and Marvin Jones Jr. and snag a little stack action Mm. with the two of those guys. And you can, again, you can get Marvin Jones. If you're looking at like rookie picks, throw a couple 2021 or 2022 third rounders a 2021 and a 2022 third rounder for yeah. Marvin Jones Jr. And somebody's going to accept that instantaneously. And that's a win for you. Yeah. I, Period. I mean, I would do that, that in a heartbeat. So anyway, that's my thoughts on the Lions. Okay. Um, and that's it. Okay. Do you think uh, Matt Patricia makes it through the year? I do. I think that the, I think oh, okay. the Lions, no, I think the Lions are going to like, truly, I think the Lions are going to be good this year. I think they have a, a dark yeah, their, their, their expected team. wins last season was much higher than what they actually produced. So they're a prime bounce back candidate. Um, I hope 
beyond hope. <laughs> You're yep. right. So, uh, well, what, what's gotten worse for, I mean, I know other teams have obviously improved as well, but like what's gotten worse for the Lions? They've improved their running back. They've improved, mm-hmm. improved their defense. Mm-hmm. You assume Stafford will be there for the full year. Mm-hmm. I mean, another year of Hawkinson, Jones returns from injury. They got Geronimo Allison, you know, for better or for worse, but like, okay. yeah. fine. Like he's okay enough. Yeah. Better NFL player than fantasy asset. Yeah. And you could argue that every other team in that division got worse. Well, the Packers obviously are going to win the Super Bowl. So, I, don't, I mean, I don't know about that, but certainly the Vikings Jordan are Love, worse. Uh, Super Bowl MVP? Uh, yeah, in 2024. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let's take a little breather here before Will and I get, a, get into fisticuffs over the uh, NFC North. Yeah, let's do that. All right, gang, welcome, welcome back to the uh, Dynasty 1.01 here. Uh, we're just going to wrap up really quickly. Uh, something I was thinking about uh, in the same vein as, as the intriguing teams, another one I've, I looked at is the New England Patriots. And, and as I was kind of starting to peel the onion a little bit, there's not a Patriots player that I would feel good about putting into my starting lineup. Not one. And um, I wanted to get your take, Will, very briefly, and then we'll wrap it up. But uh, just to kind of go down the line, Stidham, I think I can make – he was a buy-low uh, quarterback mm-hmm. for me on uh, Dynasty Football Factory Quick Take you can find on Twitter. Um, but I don't, I don't know that this year I'm feeling great. He could be good. Sony Michelle is uh, – I am very low on Sony Michelle. Like lower than I probably should be on, on Sony Michelle. Yeah. Uh, and then you look at wide receivers and like Julian Edelman, okay, like fine. He, he's Hale the Harry. guy who I would I would maybe feel comfortable if he's like my wide receiver three. Three, yeah, yeah. that's fine. I guess I'd feel okay with that, uh, especially in PPR. You figure out of the yeah. slot, he'll get some stuff. Nikhil Harry is like another one that you know if you have him on your team, you're going to hold on to him. He's not catching the value in a trade that that he should be getting enough to move him. Yeah, and don't give up on him because he's. No. He's not really worth anything right now, so you're not gonna to get anything positive out of him, right? And and part of the reason why he's not worth anything, and I think it's important to note, like we did last episode, is that he is from ASU. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so he started off as worth nothing, and he's and just continued that, and probably will for for yeah. the foreseeable future. Is this um, a winning segment for us? Yes, absolutely. Cool. We're gonna try right. to get that in. Um, Great. Every episode. Yeah. Uh, tight ends. Uh, I so forgot again. Pass. It, Tight ends, right? Just go. Well, like, there's well, nobody to talk. About. Come on. Uh, let me just let me just pitch it really quickly. Okay. Uh, so for the uh, for Dynasty Football Factory, I did a tight end review of every tight end drafted, with like one or two exceptions, who are just like non-starters for any sort of fantasy purposes. But okay. Devin Asiasi is a guy that I actually yeah. am like somewhat high on from like a dynasty perspective, but not this year. Um, no, nothing, nothing you can do there. And I think he'll, you know, he, he's in my top five tight ends, but this is a really poor tight end draft class. So again, we can move on from that. So yeah. No it's, it's interesting that they took two tight ends that early, but who knows? I They're mean, trying to recreate the Gronk Hernandez, you know, on the field, uh, <laughs> production. <laughs> <laughs> from the two of them, and uh, I don't know that these are necessarily uh, guys that are a similar talent level to they to, to uh, Gronk and Hernandez. But no, um, not at all. And then, like, who else do you have? You have Mohamed Sanu. Like, nope. Right. I forgot about Mohamed Sanu. Yeah. So did everybody. <laughs> yeah. So did the Patriots. I mean, honestly, yeah. so everybody has forgotten about Mohamed Sanu. Yeah. So uh, 
that's basically my take. Will do you have, is anything that I said not right? No, I mean that's that's pretty much it. Look, I, there's been on the Stidham front, like there's some interest there because he can, I guess, add something with his legs. So if the Patriots, you know, think that they can in- incorporate kind of a running quarterback attack like that would be interesting if bill belichick can get on board with a with a running quarterback yeah give me some of that however there's already been chatter that brian hoyer is going to start the season for them interesting yeah so i mean i I guess i would be buying low on stidham you know especially with that noise out there um but yeah that that doesn't answer your question of who would i feel comfortable starting out of you know this team and the only answer is edelman um, yeah. And I don't even really like that all that much uh, no. because he this, was, he was that security blanket for Tom Brady, but we don't know if that's going to roll over to the right. Denver Hoyer era. Right. And it does really speak to how good Tom Brady is that it's basically the same team as last year. And we are pretty much fading every single player. But who did you feel comfortable starting last year on New England? Yeah. It was Edelman, point. And- Edelman. But yeah, Edelman no, was, I felt much more confident starting Edelman last year. Oh, than yeah. This year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I agree yeah. with you. Like, it's a stay away at this point. Um, at least keep them away from your starting lineup as much. Well, as they have a good, they have a very solid defense, obviously. But mm-hmm. in some ways, I'm wondering, like, how much of this is a tank for Trevor or a tank for Fields? kind of a, a team at this point. Like I know Bill Belichick wouldn't like tarnish his, uh, his deal, but I, I just can't. He might, he's so ruthless. Yeah. He's a pretty ruthless guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fair. That but if they had, t- if they had Trevor Lawrence and they could snag another wide receiver, I mean, that's kind of a scary team potentially. Like if they have an elite quarterback again mm-hmm. and Nikhil turns into what he could be and you know, Edelman will be like probably gone by then perhaps, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it could, it could be – in the next couple of years, it could be a team to watch, but not this year. Uh, yeah, I don't rule out Belichick. He's earned that right um, to not be questioned on, on what he's doing and what his plan is. But, yeah, he could, he could just be trying to write off this year in a ruthless bid to, to gain a top signal caller next year. It could be. All right. Well, you know, I think that is going to do it for Episode 4 yeah. of the Dynasty 1.01 podcast. We did want to just give a quick shout out. We, um, you know, when we started this, we didn't know if we'd have one listener. Um, it'd probably be like me and my mom. Um, but <laughs> so that'd be two listeners. That'd be two it's listeners. Like, that yeah. would have exceeded you expectations. You were never good at math. No, that's, yeah, that is a fair point. Um, yeah. And so we, you know, we found that there are some people that, that have enjoyed listening to us uh, talk over the last few episodes. And we wanted to shout out Dynasty Pot Roast, a user on Twitter who left us a, a very nice comments and we, we really do appreciate it. It means the world to us. And, uh, you know, we, we're just happy that anybody um, is listening and finds any of it interesting or useful or funny or fun, or if it's a, a nice diversion from um, just life at this point. So uh, we did want to give a shout out there and um, let us know how you're, let us know how you're doing. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Give us topics to talk about. And uh, so, yeah, thank you for that. And we'll kick it over to you. Yeah, so um, just clarification, you said uh, he was on Twitter. Uh, Dynasty Pot Roast was a user on Reddit. Um, thank just you. just want to clarify, so thank you for those kind words. Um, and yeah, thanks to everybody for listening. Um, you know, it takes a lot of uh, homework and uh, research to get this out, but it's a labor of love, and we really enjoy doing it. And um, yeah, so Zach, uh, you tell the people where uh, they can find us, and uh, we'll be back 
uh, for episode 105, hopefully next week. Yep. Uh, so again, you can find me on Twitter at DFF underscore Z train. You can find Will on Twitter at Dynasty Walrus. You can also follow our podcast on Twitter at the Dynasty 101. Um, let us know what's going on. Let us know what you think. And we will talk to you next week. See ya.